our eight-year-old is borderline sociopathic and he's obviously trolling, but he's been saying for the last three years that he loves shots. <laughs> and the only thing he loves more than shots is getting a Corona test up his nose, touching his brain. <laughs> because our two other kids hate it so much, he actually says he loves it. That's my favorite Big Brother flex ever. Okay, so okay. let's so, yeah. record the intro now. Just so what did... Milkless. Because we, I think we start with the name. Two dads. We love our kids. But then we also need them to know that we're like pretty cool and it's not like a wimpy podcast. So, hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Milkless. Hey, welcome. Hey. Hey, hey, Milkless. Call the audience, Milkless. What's up, Milkless? <laughs> Matt and Max coming at you. What if that's it? <laughs> How's our first take? On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about grit toughness a word that maybe sometimes gets i don't know a bad name or taught wrong or something this gets into quitting sticking with stuff until you get good at it all the way to dealing with boo-boos and scary things and shots it's kind of a broad topic but an interesting one and one that we maybe wonder is not uniquely dadly here we go all right, Matt. Today we're talking about something from the milkless mailbag. Uh, we don't actually we don't actually have a mailbag, but we've had two friends, uh, Sam and Jeremy, both hit this topic completely randomly. Sam said, "Hey, uh, what do you think about like keeping your kids gritty? How do you do that? Where you know you want to be an empathetic parent, empathetic dad, who's you know really caring about feelings, but then also you don't want to raise kind of a soft kid." I think Sam's was like he he framed it interestingly. He's like, "How much hardship do you expose your kid to?" Right. Like, what's the right amount of that to, like, let them just have to deal with? Right. Yeah, which I thought was a cool framing. It was great. And, like, we've been thinking about it for a while. And then Jeremy hits us with, what happens when a, a, one of your children wants to quit something? After kind of, like, a single bad experience of a sport that, that he had up until that point liked, yeah. Like, absolutely loving it. And then, like, one bad experience. And then it's like, well, you definitely want to validate those feelings. But then how do you help them through that? And not be kind of like a psycho sport parent. You will play uh, soccer. <laughs> yeah. No son of mine's not playing soccer. <laughs> um, so I, I'm really excited about getting into this. I could actually lead us off with a little study from 1908 and then and then throw it over to you. If that's 1908. Cool. I like it. We have only the latest information on this show. We're at the cutting <laughs> edge of the newest research <laughs> from 1908. Well, it's, it's a famous experiment, which is why we're going back to 1908. Um, Two psychologists, uh, Yerkes or Yerkes and Dodson in 1908 using mice, they found that stimulation improved performance up to a certain level. So that's called the optimal anxiety. And then later, um, a different psychologist, Lev Vygotsky, called it the zone of proximal development. But basically, when you are uncomfortable, you actually um, have increased performance and you learn, but everything is better in this zone. If you get too much stress, performance deteriorates and it's not good. So when you're in your comfort zone, it makes sense. You're safe. You feel great in your comfort zone, but you're not really going to grow because you're kind of doing all the same shit all the time. You get out of your comfort zone. That's when you grow, you learn, things are good, but then it's nice to come back to your comfort zone. If you go too far and it's too unsettling, yeah, you no longer can learn. Yeah, It's, it's basically like playing beer pong. The first couple beers make you better. <laughs> you get <laughs> Anymore after that, you're, you're in a downward spiral. You're no longer in uh, the zone of proximal development. Beers are equal to anxiety and stimulation in this analogy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny the way 
this therapist that I know that I'm married to, the words that she used that are actually like, I think describe something pretty interestingly similar. They call it the window of tolerance. I mean, we are literally, it sound like we're playing Dungeons and Dragons here. Like window of tolerance plus five <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> I cast you zone of proximal development. <laughs> It's just funny because it's like it's kind of the same idea, but I do believe in that thing that there really isn't growth without some discomfort, but that you have to continuously come back to that place that feels safe and comfortable. Yeah. So I think that's kind of like what we're going to be talking about a lot in kind of a lot of different ways. This episode is kind of that dance. I do. One thing that I wanted to ask you when our buddy Jeremy texted us about this thing, one of the things I asked him is like, do you feel like this is uniquely felt by as a dad? And he said, yes. And I kind of feel that too. I mean, like I'm always like cautious about generalizing about families because every family looks different and people play different roles in different families. But I do feel like as much as I have really tried to learn empathetic parenting or gentle parenting or attachment parenting or whatever the fuck you want to call it, just like being really kind to your kid. I do still feel somewhere in there like a responsibility to prepare them for a world that's like not always that nice. Yeah. Or on the other side of that, to to take her to the edge of her comfort zone, but be there with her to try to make her feel just safe enough. Like you can climb this tree. I'll be right there. You know, like, and, uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but do you think, I guess, I, I, do you think that's a, there's, it's a little bit of a dad thing in there? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I, I have such an interesting relationship with my partner. Sometimes I take on more of that empathetic, like typically feminine role. My wife is more of the tougher one. So I, I, personally, I don't know. I mean, I definitely feel it. So, and I know my wife feels it too, pretty strongly, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of, stuff wrapped up in it. And I think that a lot of it has to do with being a dad, but a lot of it just can be either gender. Like for example, mm-hmm. um, I actually listened to a Dr. Becky podcast on on quitting where somebody was um, not going to sleepaway camp. And it was like, we wrap it up with so much stuff where we start thinking, oh my, well, oh my gosh, well, I want to make sure that my, my daughter can go to college someday. Yeah. I need to make sure that like, she's going to be an independent human being, can earn a wage. Yeah. Like, if she comes home from sleepaway camp, then all the, you know, and it's like, we wrap up all this stuff into it. I saw a cool thing from that guy, the, the day, you know, the daily stoic dude who does like the daily dad stuff. Mm-hmm. And that the way he put it was like, it's dangerous to extrapolate too much. Yeah. You don't want to snowball off the behavior of a five-year-old yeah. to like what their lifelong work ethic would be. Yeah. But with that said, I do really feel that it is my responsibility to make sure that my kid doesn't grow up soft. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is like you're yeah. the dad. You feel like they need- Well, if you have a soft kid, male or female, here's all I'm saying. I think a lot of the guidance is you always want to validate the feelings. And validate does not mean truth. Okay. It doesn't mean like whatever they're feeling is automatically true and you have to just go with that. I deal with stuff where our kids don't want to go to certain events that they literally love. And you've said it a bunch. We say it all the time that transitions are hard. So let's say that they're watching a TV show and it's like, oh, guys, we got to, sorry, we got to cut this short. We got to go. We got basketball. They'll get into the, I hate basketball. That's just objectively false. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basketball is actually their, one of their favorite things to do of all time. Yeah. It's just the moment. We don't want to get into the thing where we don't validate that feeling. Say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Because that's a normal feeling. And I think that we just need to establish that olive branch and say, like, look, I want to quit things all the time. That's a very normal thing. Yeah. When someone cancels plans on me, it's like, oh, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> 
I love not going to things, you know? How many times you wake up for work and it's like, I don't want to go. That's a normal impulse. Yeah. But just like learning how to read or write or do math, it's a skill to be able to push through some of those feelings Mm -hmm. and learn how to, for lack of a better term, like suck it up and do the things that you know logically. Yeah you do love or you do want to do. Yeah. And I think what I'd love to get into with you, Matt, because I think you're better at this nuance than I am, is like, I want to make sure that the kids aren't quitters Mm -hmm. in the sense that like the rule in our house is like, we don't quit before something. Let's quit at the end of the season. But since it's right before, five minutes before, sorry, bro. We're going. Yeah. There's such an in the moment bias from kids. It's sometimes it's right before or like right after like our friend's son who's played basketball for a long time and it was a good basketball player. He had like a bad game and then, he was like, fuck this noise. And I remember doing a similar thing. I remember riding bikes with my dad and my brother and I like didn't really know how traffic worked and I got stuck on a big street. And I was like, I remember getting home and telling my parents, like, I want to sell my bike. I don't ever want to do that again. And they kind of got a little mad at me. And I see why it's like, what a fucking drama queen. Like, I mean, it's like settle down. Yeah. But I really felt that in that moment. I was like, that was so scary or disappointing or whatever. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. But I think you want to validate that feeling. I would almost go a step further and you want to really try to understand where that feeling comes from, mm-hmm. especially if it's something you know they like. Is it literally just that the show's two minutes from over and they don't want to leave to get their socks? Yeah. And those ones, screw those ones. Yeah. There are other ones that happen maybe the morning leading up. Yeah. And maybe it is a little more more valid. Yeah. Anxiety leading up to it. Every time they finish, it's like, how was it? Never once has it been like, that was awful. I hate it, dad. Yeah. It's like, that was the best thing ever. I want to be a pro mountain biker when I grow up. So, so it's yeah. objectively awesome, but there is anxiety leading up. And that's a very normal feeling for an adult. Yeah. Oh, it's like kind of scary. It's like hard. And like, I sometimes have a hard time keeping up. Sometimes I'll get into worst case. Like, so what happens? Like, if you get dropped, will they wait for you? He's like, well, I, I don't ever get dropped. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, if you did get dropped, He's like, oh yeah, kids get we drop kids all the time. <laughs> and they 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 just catch up. We yeah. stop every five minutes. Yeah, like sometimes it's just helping them through some of those fears and not being like, you love mountain biking, just do it. Yeah. Uh, and I, just for for the record, I'm not great at this. A lot of times I'll just literally steamroll it because I'm like, you love mountain biking, don't worry about it, just go. You're gonna be fine. You love mountain biking. Yeah. You know, but I think the better thing to do, the thing I could do better is really every time get into the the real root of it. Yeah, because a lot of the like types of things they want to quit, if it's sports, there's winners and losers and there's people who are better at it than you are. These are not reasons to quit sports, but you got to help your kid navigate those feelings because like losing a sports game is fucking hard. It doesn't feel good when you're a kid. I remember like taking that real hard. So I think that a lot of times there's probably a good reason behind it. You know, you were asking me before we started if my oldest daughter struggled with this and she hasn't struggled with this with going to things. Like she has, we've never had a hard time like getting her to go to gymnastics camp. Mm-hmm. The thing that I struggle with her and what made me think of it is you were talking about anxiety is um, like if she gets a cut or a scrape or a splinter, she kind of panics. And I have this fear that it's like once when she was two, we kind of like held her while we were putting like hydrogen peroxide on something. And later I read that like, that's like from the 1970s. So I was like, well, I don't know. My mom did it. We're going to cauterize the wound. (laughs) We got to, we got to, we got to seal this off. (laughs) It's bubbling. That means it's working. Bite the spoon. I mean, my mom would literally say it's bubbling. That means it's working. Like while it just burned. But anyways, uh, what a fucking nightmare. So anyways, 
but she's got um, this about shots and we have done this thing over and over Well, she just just be so scared and she won't let me touch it and she's like we can't take a tub we can't do anything because it might get wet we can't like it, it nothing can happen until i get a band-aid on that thing and i'll be like baby just try like i'm yeah it's gonna stop hurting as soon as i do this thing or like pull out this like a splinter yeah we have a lot of cactuses so like that happens and i gotta go get the tweezers and the headlamp but then a lot of times she just can't and, and it triggers this shitty thing in me yeah. where I want to just be like, pull yourself together. It's a fucking, the second you let me do this, it will not hurt and it will be gone. Yeah. And so many times I've done it and then I pull it and she's all, she's always like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine now, isn't it? And I've even said to her, like, try to remember this. You remember how scared you were a second ago and how okay it feels now? And then we're like, we're right back there. And the problem is that her being anxious in that irrational way makes me react badly. So I can't help her deal with the anxiety, you know? Yeah. We're just like fucking stuck in it. Yeah. That was always very hard for us when the kids were, you know, between one and three for sure. But ours kind of grew out of it a little bit where they don't want us to take out a splinter. They'll be like, no, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't do it. And usually there's some cajoling to happen mm-hmm. this is one of those perfect examples where you have to validate those feelings but it can't be like well all your feelings are valid so we're gonna leave that foreign object in your yeah like what's the alternative you have to get it out so i i think there is a thing about being tough like the example i use is like i know you love it chase from paw patrol movie like when he was scared and he did that jump, which was not physically possible. The jump was insane. It didn't even, it didn't even like had no arc. It made no sense. It's like he had a jetpack on. There's a wire team. But anyway, I use that all the time. Like he says, I can do it. Like, or whatever he says, like, I could do it. Like, I think there's a huge thing about teaching kids to be brave when they're scared. You know, not to, you know, divulge anything, but there's a book that you're writing that Milkless Media might put out. And what's the line about, you know, scared plus something equals brave. Oh. I said it to the kids the other day and I to in this exact example and I couldn't remember it. <laughs> You're like it's really good guys. The the idea is <laughs> it's De- it's uh scared plus tough equals brave, which means you can't even be brave unless you're scared first. Or something right, like that. Right. So I think that that teaching the kids about bravery is important. I think it is. You know, like Yeah. And we say, "Oh, remember Moana was brave and you know, and then afterward, you celebrate that bravery mm-hmm. and you do not shame any other. Th- like, I remember one time we had to kind of hold the foot down of like a one and a half year yeah. old, a two year old uh. to get the splinter out. Ugh. But it was one of those. It just came out real quick and boom. But then there was no like, could have been easier, bro. <laughs> yeah, I did once. We went to get a shot and my daughter just panicked and she just like couldn't. She was like moving her arm around. She wouldn't. And the nurse just. I, she had a bad vibe and she, you could tell she was impatient. And then she just, the nurse looked at me and she was like, you're going to have to hold her still. And I was like, we're leaving. We're not, I'm not doing that. And we just left. And that's how Matt became an anti-vaxxer. Look, man. (laughs) No, Jesus Christ. You need one of those doctors who's like, they, they go viral and they like are all fun, have great bedside manner. And it's like, bing. Yeah, we need it. We probably need a good experience. Yeah. Um, but so I, I agree with you about the bravery thing. And probably one thing I can do with the, the like cuts or scrapes, whenever I've put the bandaid on or pulled the whatever out and it was instantly fine. What I've always focused on like is see how fine it is now uh, right away. Kind of the logic of it. Yeah. See what happens, Larry. Do you see yeah. what happens? 
Because I think that's what's so infuriating about it is how self-defeating the behavior is. It's like you are weeping right now. And literally the thing that I need to do to fix everything will take this long and not even be painful. I I have another little trick. It's the same trick from the daycare drop-off that could work with shots because our eight-year-old is borderline sociopathic and he's obviously trolling. But he's been saying for the last three years that he loves shots. (laughs) And the only thing he loves more than shots is getting a corona test up his nose, touching his brain. <laughs> because our two other kids hate it so much, he actually says he loves it. That's my favorite Big Brother flex ever. Getting a deep corona test, because we lived in Amsterdam, coming back and forth, basically Egyptian brain hooking. And like he's just loving it. He's like, yep, eyes watering. The only thing I love more than getting a shot is a corona test. But anyway, <laughs> so we have that weird dynamic. But then the way I got the... Uh, the six-year-old, to he was similar to your daughter, like really, really afraid of shots, like super afraid, like crying the whole morning before going. Oof, yeah. Is uh, just kind of being like, yeah, you want to like do a practice run? Because sometimes it's that, just the whole thought of the needle. It's so scary. Yeah. And I'm like, you want me to give you a little pinch? Show you what it's like? Yeah. And I'll give him a tiny little pinch. Because, you know, pinches, like if you pinch someone's arm or leg, it only hurts for like one second. It's just like yeah. a thing. So, and then I'm like, okay, here it comes. And I try to make a big deal and I do it. And then they're like, oh, that's it? Well, you want me to do it again? Yeah. Bing. And I'm like, that's it? Okay. It's going to be, it's going to hurt really bad. Ready? And that's when you suck them. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you suck a bunch of <laughs> spinning back fist. And... Oh man. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, as something clicked when you were like this scare, it's scary. The idea of the needle going in, it is like when I get a shot or get blood drawn, I don't look at it. No, I can't. I don't look either. It gets back to like what I, I think what I've been fucking up is I've been trying to talk her out of it being a big deal rather than trying to talk to her about why it's a big deal to her. Because mm-hmm. I've just been like, it's over that quick. And probably what she's dealing with is like, there's something going to go in and out of my body. And like, nobody really feels comfortable with that. Yeah. And for a kid, that's hard to overcome because the long-term benefits of whatever that thing especially with a shot, it's like, you're safe now. And they're like, yeah, I'll really appreciate that as a six-year-old. I mean, I think one of the things that I, because I went to this exact thing with our six-year-old about the, the shots is like, and this is kind of the, the whole central point of, of a lot of what we're talking about on this, on this episode is you want them to be able to do what you and I do and get a shot and just not look at it. Yeah. I, I don't love getting shots. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're drawing blood today. How many vials? Uh, three. It's like, hope. Okie dokie. Yeah, yeah. I'm not pumped about it. I go through the motions. I pump my fist. It's like, do, do it. Do it fast. Yep. Go ahead and yep. do it. Let's Great. go ahead and get it. Yeah, let's go ahead and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. And it's like, so I think saying like, yeah, you know, I don't really like getting shots either. It's totally normal. It's a totally normal feeling. Yeah. But it's something we have to do because, and then, you know, you explain the reasons to stay healthy. Like I use some of the mechanisms that I do. Like, how do I get through it? I just don't look. And then here's what it feels like. It's just a little pinch. You know what has worked for my daughter for some minor things, more minor things, like medicine that tastes really bad? What I've always done with that stuff is I always just want to like go fast. Like when I pitched in baseball, I took like no time between pitches. The one time I went paragliding, I was like, I would like to go first. And then they, I, we didn't get to choose the order. I went last. And I was like, this is why I go first. So my technique has always been, and I said this to my daughter one time because she didn't want, she couldn't get herself to take this nasty tasting medicine. And I was like, just pretend you're a ninja and don't care and just do it right away. Yeah. 
look at me in the eyes and don't even like, just don't care. Yeah. And sometimes that has worked. And I think ultimately I'm trying to train her in my technique. Like that's how I talk myself up. It's like, I don't fucking care. I'll do this. Like, can we go and get it over with? But I don't know if that's going to work for her. I don't know. There's something interesting there. Like the ninja thing that like, sometimes it's just your mind. Yeah. And there's your mind is the most powerful thing in the world. Well, and that, that sometimes you got, you got more in yourself than you realize, you know, and that you don't really know that you got it until you have to have it. There's that, you remember that movie, Three Kings? It's a weird movie to be such a good movie. Ice Cube, Wahlberg. Ice Cube, Wahlberg, Clooney. We watched it together in college. I can love that movie. But there's a, there's a line that, George Clooney has because he plays like a badass and they're going to steal some money and there's some guys that don't have any combat experience and they're kind of scared. Yeah. And the line is, he's like, the way it works is you do the thing you're scared of and then you get the courage to do it after. That gets back to that, like you only grow when you exit that window of comfort. It's, it's weird how all of this stuff, like I'm trying to think of like, how does like staying in a sport relate to Getting shots. But I think like what it comes down to is that desire, like you're trying to give your kids some grit and some courage. Yeah. But understand, really try to understand when they're struggling with those things, why they're struggling and be a part of helping them with, with the thing that's hard for them rather than trying to convince them that they can do the thing. I talked with my friend Danny about this. He's, he's trying to start something for, uh, Basically, it's called sport for growth. And we kind of came up with was like the kids need to kind of participate in the problem solving. Like if they don't want to do something, it's our job not to either convince them one way or another. It's more our job to help them develop the tools to think about it, because sometimes you need you actually do need to know when to fold them. So it's, it's, it's nuance. It's it's not we don't quit in this family. It's let's talk about this. Let's actually parse this data. Part of the idea of being a kid is to try a lot of shit. And so you probably should be quitting an awful lot of things. Yeah. Like, oh, I played like baseball for a season and I I just don't like it. It doesn't like it's not my skill set, but I'm really into this. Yeah. We always want it to be one thing or the other, like never quit. But it's just never that simple. Sometimes when you close one door, you open others. You got it. Yeah. Your time is limited. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, how, how do you teach? I mean, part of what you're teaching them, I think a big part of what you're teaching them is to weigh the future more appropriately against the present. Because I think that's really hard for kids. And I think that makes, that is, that is a commonality between quitting. Oh, right now I feel bad about this sport. I want to quit. Oh, this is hard. Yeah before it gets fun. Like I'm having to learn this new thing and it's taking me time or the moment of pulling out the splinter is going to be so bad that it's not worth it to do it, even though I'm miserable. Like all of those are about like a difficulty that is just developmentally the case for kids in like weighing what they're experiencing right then against the future. Right. And so that seems like a part of like one of your biggest roles is to help them with that. hundred percent. And helping them work through, they're going to be hitting a lot of adversity in life. It's like figuring out when to actually leave it and think about the future. Like I remember when we had a similar thing to Jeremy, like one of our kids was like, they got smoked in the first game of the year and I'm the coach and all the kids were all upset. And I try to do a good job of of really focusing on on effort, not outcomes. Mm-hmm. I don't even care about the score. I'm always like, oh, that play you did when you dove, you're yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. It's all about effort. What was the score? Do you remember? Oh, they smoked us like oh, 25 what? to nothing. Um, and they were all upset. 
like my, my son like maybe wanted to quit. So I talked to him about just, I, I painted that thread not to scare him, but I'm like, okay, cool. You quit basketball. Um, then probably next year, like you can play basketball. Let's say you quit next year too. Mm. It's the type of thing that with a sport like that, especially at your age, like you want to keep it going. Just explaining. Cause I, I've definitely heard like, I just want to quit this year. I'll play again next year. It's like, yeah, that's hard to do. I mean, it's doable. You can, but you were upset this year because you weren't as good as that team. You know what that team's going to be doing all year? Yeah. Getting way better. And I don't care about outcomes, but you're not going to like what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be even more painful next yeah, year. Yeah, so. I know. I know. Yeah, which is the truth. In the gym, kid. In the weight yeah, room, kid. Yeah, get yourself to the fucking gym. But, but honestly, it's like talking about like, if you leave this, you're closing that door. Yeah. How do you frame it to them? Because you never like want to threaten them or be like, you're making a decision for the rest of your life. Yeah. But you have to be able to make requests and apply some pressure in every relationship. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable to apply pressure to your kids for something that is maybe hard for them. And you got to really modulate that pressure. And that's the thing that's like an inexact science, right? But it's not like you're not allowed to nudge them toward the thing that you think will yeah is hard but worth it. I have a friend that says it all the time. He says nothing worth it is easy. Yeah. And I, I remember he recommended a book to me. I was like, it's not on Kindle. And he's like, nothing worth it is easy. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Um but you kind of gotta teach him that. Yeah. And there's nothing better than doing the hard thing and having the payoff after. Yeah. Nothing better. Yeah. This stuff is so interesting to me. And maybe I'm harping on this too much, but like I do sometimes think of like, what is specific to being a dad? And is it even worth talking in those terms? Or is every marriage so different that like, but I, you look at a mother and you're like, clearly there are some things that are unique to a mother, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's obvious. And, the, and some of that's physical, but some of it ain't. Yeah. And like, what are those things for a dad? And I do feel like for me personally, threading that needle between comfort and discomfort between building toughness and grit and versus feeling like safe and taken care of. I I feel like that's a big part of my job. Yeah. I want to make sure I do want my daughters to be tough, but I think like when I hear that word, I think there's a lot of versions of that that are like a little toxic. Who's that ultra marathoner guy? Oh yeah. David Goggins. David Goggins that YouTube's always like you sometimes watch old boxing highlights. You like this guy. And he's just like, beat the weakness out of yourself, motherfucker. You're fat. Yeah. And it's just like, Jesus, this guy seems awful. Yeah. The idea that toughness is like a rejection or a suppression of some feelings that you're having. That the way to be tough is to just like shove it down, fucking do it anyways. That's just, I don't think that's the road to there. I think kids that like feel really solid in themselves and in the relationships in their life, those are the tough kids that are more willing to take risks because they think they can do it. Yeah. Ultimately, the greatest source of toughness is believing in yourself. And they're going to learn that from your belief in them. Yeah. But I think that sometimes my instincts for how to create toughness, they're grounded too much in making the thing feel like it shouldn't be that hard to do. And they're not enough about like making my kid feel so thoroughly supported that they can fucking do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. I think that that would probably be a better tactic. But I think I would also say, you you know, you're being a little hard on yourself. I'd say like you are such an empathetic like money dad. And I think that as long as you are like that, whatever that stat was that like, oh, you can have rupture and repair as long as you're Mm -hmm. doing that 30% of the time, like you're good. And I think that, yeah, the ideal is like really leaning into 
understanding their feelings. Sometimes, like you say, we don't have like maximum amount of time here. Yeah, yeah. There's and that. I think as long as the child is not in in the extreme anxiety zone, I'd say like we're just talking about ideal tactics. Sometimes I actually just put the foot down, you know, try to stay as calm as possible, and I'm like, this is happening. I do too. Sometimes I sneak that in just to let them know, like, just so you know, I'm going to be the most empathetic motherfucker you've ever been with here. And I'm going to like, listen to you and validate your feelings. And I'm going to say like, I totally get it, bud. But then I'll just keep sneaking in like, but like, it's fucking happening. bro. (laughs) (laughs) I don't say fucking, but I'm like, but this is happening. Get your fucking mind around that. (laughs) This shit is fucking happening. Get your mind right, son. Just to let them know, like. If I know that it's not going to be the traumatic anxiety thing, it's like, look, this is going to be a little uncomfortable. Even as a kid, they understand like, well, if it has to happen, then what we're trying to do is figure out how it can happen. And if you can just kind of present it as the facts and calmly and not a threat, that that is useful to say like, this one's got to happen. Yeah. And those are the ones that like, look, we're going to school right now. I validate your feelings that like you don't want to go because you're worried about something you have to do or you fell in front of the class and got a bloody nose and you're embarrassed and you don't want to go. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, you're going. Um, the other one is like, if all signs are pointing to this being one of their favorite things to do, but maybe there's something that happened last week yeah. and they don't want to go. That was the, that's the harder one. Yeah. But usually you got a little more time for that one too. Yeah. You don't need to talk about it that night. You might not need to talk about it the next day. Yeah. The further you are from that bad experience, probably the better chance. The more your kid's going to be able to not weigh it so heavily against the future, you know? Yeah. To me, toughness is when you have the two parts of your brain, maybe the emotional side and the logical side. And the logical side of your brain wants to do something, but the emotional sort of can't. It's, it's learning how to push through and do the things you know you want to do. Mm-hmm. Get up for work. Like you wake up, I'm tired, go back to bed, shirk all responsibilities. No, logical's like, nope, I'll help you get through that. Yeah. What we're going to do is we're going to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. It's like, that's that's a great skill to have. The same thing with like working out. I hate working out, but who in the history of working out has ever after working out said, God damn it, I wish I didn't do that. I know. Yeah. It's just the moment right before it. It's always it. Yeah. amazing. I've been doing it in my garage, man. I put on movies and, and I watch I watch movies out there and I do it at night. And the movies make it just palatable, tolerable enough that 70% of nights I can get myself to go. Yeah. One thing I think about is our world is kind of cushy, you know, like our kids aren't naturally necessarily exposed to a lot of hardship. Mm-hmm. So how do we expose them to it without like artificially creating it or with creating it by like removing our own support from them. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it's what you do is you find moments where they really want to put their foot down and you know, it's like the wrong decision for them because you know them that this is something that they love. And I'm just going to use this, the same example we've been talking about. Like if the uh, your child does not want to go to basketball and they love basketball, you're going to get this kid to do it. Yeah. The end point is where they need to get. That's going to the basketball thing. The way I kind of view it is like I'm going to almost co-pilot with them. Mm-hmm. I want them to make a decision to go to basketball on their own. So I'm going to show them the GPS. How would I think about it? Yeah, I know, man. I don't want to go. Seems like a lot of work. It's kind of far away. Oh, it feels so good to skip. I hope they cancel. 
I hope we get a snow day and cancel. Right? 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 Yeah. Common ground. Then it's like, now let's navigate. But you know that feeling when you make a good shot? Oh, you love that. You know that feeling afterward and you're so hungry after? Yeah, that's amazing. You know when you like are hugging with your buddies at, you know, during the game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are all the things that like we go through probably in an instant Yeah. when we decide to do all these things that we know we want to do. Yeah. But human nature is like we like quick dopamine hits. I want to just like not go to work and watch Netflix all day and eat like shit. Everybody has that quick impulse. Let's show the kids the GPS on how to make that choice themselves as opposed to just being like, you love basketball, you're going, which I say all the time. I'm not a saint here. I'm just saying when I do it right, it's we're co-piloting it together and let's let's figure this out. I do think that like the the step I might add, I agree. Yeah, it's cool. The idea of like co-piloting them because you're figuring it out alongside them. One important part of that is really at the beginning of that conversation, kind of when you're like empathizing and finding the common ground, I think the best way to find that common ground is not necessarily to say like, I feel that sometimes it's to try to help them articulate why they feel that way. Like let them kind of lead that. Cause like, I do think ultimately you want to really enter that conversation by trying to understand and you probably know, right? Yeah. But like, ha- like having them say it. Yeah, more of a more of a Socratic method on it. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that? Like, make them. I, I mean, I, I, and I think probably we both suffer from this. I have a tendency to because they do it in movies, man. You can fix it with the speech, right? If you give the right speech, then they'll just, you know, and then you're like, yeah, all right, you know, like coach from Friday Night Lights <laughs> or whoever. <laughs> with my daughter, what I'm finding is like. Sometimes I give a speech that I think is real good. And she's like, dad, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, all right. And like, really what I need to do is like- Listen more. Listen more, yeah. Yeah, no, those are great, great points. All these things about toughness, I almost think maybe it's possible that toughness is a byproduct of a lot of other things. Like an ability to weigh the present against the future. It's a belief in yourself, an understanding of like- what is acceptable to happen to you and what is not acceptable to happen to you. Cause that tells you when you should quit. I just, I think the reason I keep hitting it is I think the mistake that I make and that maybe a lot of people make, and maybe a lot of dads especially make is we try to toughen up our kids by being tough on them. And really what it is, is like putting them in a situation that is a little hard for them is safely at the edge of their comfort zone. But then we're not the hard part. Yeah. You're the support. Right. And I've, I've heard myself say like, Come on, suck it up. Like, yeah, you can do this. Like, basically, everything less of saying, like, be a man about it, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, and, and it's like, that's just not helpful. So, I like this a lot. Basically, like, create a safe space for them, put them in uncomfortable situations. Like, don't coddle them, put them in uncomfortable situations, but then be there as almost like, you know, the quarterback headphone in the ear, like, all right, you got this, bud. You got this, okay? Listen, they're, they're gonna rush on, they're gonna rush on third down. Like, let them know, like, all right, you got this. And if they always know they can return to you to feel that safety, then they're gonna be able to go out more and more. If they can always come back, you know, it's like, okay, uh, all right, I'll come back to that. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll go further and further the more they know you're gonna be on their team. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Did we do it? I think we got it.